Hey everyone, in this episode that you're about to listen to, Katie and I have a discussion about something that's so, I guess, close to our hearts, and that is family culture. As most of you probably know, Katie and I both grew up in large families, and they had we had very strong family cultures, and we're really grateful for those family cultures. And now that now that we're a family, ha ha ha, yeah, now that we're a family of our own. Uh, we're looking to our future and how we're going to be cultivating a culture within our home that's honoring to God and that's rooted in his truth and in his, in, in his love. And so we're kind of drawing from our past and tr- drawing from the word of God so that we can go forward and do that. We're so grateful that you guys are an encouragement to both of us. I know Katie and I feel that way with, with our listeners and the people that are able to uh, leave you know leave comments and leave reviews and, and send us messages we're so grateful for your encouragement and if you're new to this podcast and you enjoy it i'd ask that you leave a rating or a review just scroll down to the bottom of uh, your podcast app and click on one of the stars preferably one of the five stars or if you can take the time to write a review we love reading those and it's really just fuel for us anyways we're going to get this thing going hope you enjoy Hey, I'm Elisha Voper. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in big families that were fun, impactful, and relationship-rich. Now that we're a family of our own with two young children and our third on the way, there's nothing that excites us more than seeing what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited that you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go! both have a lot of siblings and so we get a lot of questions about our sibling relationships and how those are how our parents cultivated them how we want to cultivate those relationships with our children and I think this is a really fun thing to talk about because I love shared experiences right now I love shared experiences with Elisha I just feel like they bond us so much closer together oh they they do for a fact yeah we were just saying before we started recording the podcast, how that really shared experiences. And I think you, you use the term proximity, right? Just being with in close proximity to, to people is really what builds relationships. Yeah. I think it bothered me one time. I read a study online and I was saying that most romantic relationships are formed mainly due to proximity. And so like, look around at who you're close to and there's a chance you're eventually going to have a crush on them. <laughs> and I just thought that was Funny, I didn't like it at the time, but you think of it, I think that's why it's so important to have shared experiences in marriage. Yep. I think that's why it's so important to like have you and I talk about what we're doing throughout the day and not live separate lives. A hundred percent. And I think that's why a lot of affairs happen too, is just because you're disconnected with your spouse, maybe, and you're spending all this time in a business relationship with someone else. Yep. That's right. And you feel so unable to relate with your spouse in that one area of your life. And then that one area of your life becomes a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger part of your life. And, uh, yeah, it's just a slippery slope for sure. And I mean, the way we're looking at it tonight is in relation to sibling relationships. Yeah, for sure. I think when you say shared experiences, you kind of 
at least I have a warm, fuzzy feeling when I think of that term, but really you have to learn how to share. Hmm. You have to learn how to share an experience. And I think sometimes that can be hard for kids. Sometimes I wanted to have my own experience. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to share it. And looking back, I'm so grateful. My parents were so intentional in creating those shared experiences amongst us kids. Yeah. I'm really grateful for that as well. And it's really fun entering the season of parenthood because Leon is only two years old. Lucy's only one year old, but they are, you just see the relationship developing right now. And I really want to give them this context and this expectation to share experiences, to share in life Mm -hmm. and to be friends. I want them to think that it's normal to be friends with, with your spouse. I I get such a kick out of them. They are so cute. I mean, just tonight putting them to bed in the same room, Elisha and I, that makes us so happy for whatever reason, when we see them in the same room, because you go up there and they're both just chilling. Yep. And they like talk to you. Yeah. They're talking to each other. They can't really talk, but they're, (laughs) they are talking to each other. And Lucy's like antagonizing Leon. And I don't know. It's just so fun. It's so cute to see that relationship transpire. And Katie, you were talking about how grateful you are for your parents really being vigilant in developing those sibling relationships amongst you and your siblings. And I I know that I'm really grateful to my parents for doing the same thing. And it's fun when I was just thinking about this episode prior to recording, I was remembering back to literally some of my earliest memories when I was maybe five, six or seven years old. And I'd have conflict with one of my siblings uh, and or I'd want to do something like you said on my own. Maybe there was a, a sporting event that I wanted to go to with a friend, and then my dad's like, "Okay, we can all go." I was like, "No, I could. I just want it to be my <laughs> thing with my friend." And and my parents, especially my dad, would always use that as an opportunity to really give us the bigger picture for life, whether we got it or not. He always told us. He said, "Hey, your sibling relationships are the relationships you should be investing into the most because they're going to be here forever." He goes, I'm, I'm grateful that you have friends, that you enjoy hanging out with your friends, but the nature of friendships are such so that they come and they go. Mm-hmm. You move on, you know, people move out of town, they go off and, and have careers other places. And, and he'd always said, you know, my best friends from the time I was 12, 13 and 14 years old, I, don't, I, I haven't talked to, you know, for 20 years. He goes, that's yeah. just how, how life works. And so invest into those ones that are going to be around for a long time. And I can remember as a kid, that was always hard for me to accept because I was like, are you kidding me? Like my, your siblings don't seem as exciting as maybe the friend that lives down the street, you know, or the friend that you go to church with. But my dad was so right. I'm and I'm so grateful that, you know, we invested time and energy and experiences into our sibling relationships. Cause now as an adult, I feel like they're so strong. And even if we do live miles and hours apart, those relationships really have a deep root. And I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. And we have those relationships with our siblings that we don't necessarily naturally get along with. Like our personalities don't line up the greatest. And I think as a parent, if I hadn't seen how intentional my parents were with Leon and Lucy, I would just be hoping that their personalities as they grow, get along and they are friends. I think a lot of parents, it's easy to cross our fingers and just hope this stuff happens. But there are so many steps that I saw my parents take and Elisha saw his parents take to actually force it, you know, sure. and, and it wasn't always just natural yep. or easy. Yep. That's right. And I think that oftentimes I've heard people say that 
they're afraid that their their kids won't have their own identity. And I know I've gotten that question a lot being a, as I grew up in a big family, people would ask me, well, did you ever feel like an individual? Because you're a part of this huge clan or this big group that goes everywhere. And did you ever feel like you're an individual? And first off, yes. I mean, first off, the, I think the most important thing is that I had a personal relationship with my Lord and Savior. And that's what my parents emphasized the most as far as individuality goes is, hey, do you know where you stand before God? And I'm, from an early age, that wasn't something that we could just inherit from our parents. My parents made it clear to us that their faith was not going to save us, but we needed our faith in the saving work of Jesus Christ if we wanted to have an eternal hope. And so I think that's the most important thing to cultivate in an individual child. But then beyond that, I think that there were seasons where maybe I felt like an individual or I didn't feel like an individual. But to be quite frank, I think that you can really overemphasize and overvalue individualism. And in, if anything, our culture really kind of like it elevates that, I think, to an unhealthy st- state. And I don't think even the Bible elevates individualism to that state. I think you have an individual faith, but you're a part of a body. You're a part of the ch- global church of Jesus Christ. You're a part of a local church. And then you're a part of a family as well. And so I'm grateful that my parents really emphasized the individual faith, but that that was going to be played out your whole life. That's going to be played out as a part of a group to some extent, you know, the global church, your local community, your family, your, the people you work in work with. And so I think that I'm grateful actually for the balance that that was taught in my home. Yeah. When I think of individuality, honestly, I think we could do a whole podcast on that subject because just as you're talking, I'm like, I get that question all the time. How did you feel special? How did you feel unique? Did you just feel like you were a part of one big blob, you know, the Johnson Mm -hmm. family? And that wasn't the case at all. I think a lot of it had to do in my family with the fact that my dad was a business coach and part of what his job was, was to find what was unique about each one of his clients and what their unique skills were, what their unique strengths and weaknesses were. So we talked about that stuff all the time in our family and our strengths were really encouraged. Our weaknesses were acknowledged. And I really think that I can definitely speak for myself, but I think I can speak for all my siblings in saying that we felt very unique and individual. Hmm along with being a part of this bigger culture, but I think we could really go into that a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I've gotten that question my entire life. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think it's important because I do meet kids from big families that feel like they were just one of many. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's not, that's not what we want either, yeah. but I think it's so good that you pointed out just autonomy in general is elevated to this this place where I don't think God intended it to be. Yeah. So when I think of what helped really cultivate my sibling relationships, I couldn't not say homeschooling in my personal experience. I'm not saying this is necessary. Okay. I'm just talking about me, but for instance, my younger sister was 15 months younger and we would have been in different grades all day long, mm-hmm. you know, from eight till three thirty, we would have just been in different grades doing different things. Yeah, that would have put you if you're in if uh, if you were in a school system, that probably would have put you in a different classroom. 
Yeah, totally. That's what I was trying to explain. Well, makes sense. I feel Good. like I miss key points when I'm trying to explain things and Elisha has to go over it for me. Well, no, I was just trying to put it together in my own brain. That's... Yeah, that's the point. <laughs> if you're having a hard time figuring it out, they probably will too. Um, anyways, yes. So if Kyle and I had gone to a more traditional school system, we would have been separated most of the day. And Kyla's my best friend. She well, Elisha's my best friend now, but she was all growing up. Sorry, Kyla. Oh, that was You've been dethroned as the <laughs> best friend. But as it was, because we were so close and because Kyla was so smart, honestly, we did spelling together, we did our history together, we did English together. My mom taught us a lot of things at the same time. I managed to stay a grade ahead in math, but Kyla was way smarter at that too. I don't know why she didn't pass me up there. Our breaks were at the same time. We were on the same schedule. And I just think that that honestly cultivated a lot of those shared experiences. We worked through a lot of the same stuff together in school. And when you think of a child from age five to when they're graduating high school, that's the majority of what you're doing during a day is is studying and then taking breaks from it. Yeah, And so if... It would have been so hard to cultivate that same friendship, I guess, if we hadn't had that proximity through just being around each other. Yes, that totally makes sense. And I can relate to that too, because I don't think I ever really shared a grade with any of my siblings, but I definitely shared a classroom (laughs) with all of my siblings because we were homeschooled as well. And even though I'd be working on in my own curriculum and at my own level, my own pace, we were all, you know, more or less in the same room asking mom questions at different times. And like you said, the breaks would happen at the same times. So we'd be able to run, run outside, you know, every day at 10 o'clock and then we'd have our lunch break together and then school would get done and we'd all be there together. And so it was a very shared experience, like you said. Yeah. And I just think if you have that 8 to 3.30 every day, you're separated and then you throw in any kind of extracurricular activity... I don't know. It can just really blow your whole day. Yeah. So I was really grateful for those times when, you know, at 11 o'clock, we got to go out and build our forts Mm -hmm. and, you know, play dress up and create things all at the same time. And that wasn't just Kyla and I, that was us with our younger siblings. And I think sometimes too, in our culture, for whatever reason, we try to segregate everything by age, Mm -hmm. but there's so much you can learn from hanging out with your six-year-old sibling oh yes, as a 16-year-old and bringing them along. I just think of like parenting, mm-hmm. you know, it's helpful to be around younger kids, not just all of a sudden have them thrown in your lap after you get married Yeah, or just being able to relate with people of different age levels. Yes. A hundred percent. Cause I think about, I shared a room with my, all my brothers actually. Uh, and I, so I'm one of six boys. And so all six of us boys shared a bedroom and the age rate, my brother Joby's six years older than me. And then my brothers are six, seven, eight, and nine years younger than me. The four, the four younger brothers are, are that the, the, those many years younger than me. And so there was a good spread from in our boys' room. You know, I think Rudy moved into our room, the youngest, when he was three years old. And so that would have been what three to Joey must have been like seventeen at that point, seventeen or eighteen years yeah. old. And there was just so much to learn working with people that had a different mental capacity than you, you know, being patient. Joby had to be patient with me as his younger brother. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I think you're totally right that there are different lessons that you can learn in that context that you wouldn't be able to learn if you're, you know, more individualized or if you are more isolated, um, as an individual. Yeah. So I just think I would just encourage parents who do 
have their kids in a more traditional school system to really be intentional. You know, if your kids are being separated that much a day, really focus on what are the extracurricular activities? What are we doing before meals? What are we doing afterwards as a family when our kids come home? But I just really focus on the hours you can control and keeping everyone together as much as possible because I think that's where friendships are formed. Yeah, you can't really replace that that time, time spent together. Because now as an adult, when I look back at my childhood, we just reference memories one after another, after another, after another. And it's from just a plethora of shared experiences and hundreds of thousands of hours spent with one another to, you know, when we can draw from that memory bank. And that's really rich. And my parents were really intentional about doing, not only keeping us together, you know, for, I shouldn't say keeping us together, but they homeschooled. So we are together a lot. Like I said, I feel like we are all very individualized within the curriculum and what we are working on Mm -hmm. academically. Uh, but then when it came to s- sports or extracurricular acti- activities, like what you were saying, Katie, sports and music for our family, uh, I think my parents really were proactive about making sure that those didn't did not become individualized either because I, my parents wanted us to be able to participate in sports and organize sports. They wanted us to be able to learn instruments. And oftentimes... Though, like it, those are never as simple as you might think they're going to be. You know, it's if yeah. you're like, oh, I just I want my son to play, you know, basketball, and then like two years later, it's controlling your whole life. You know, because you're going to tournaments every weekend, and you've got practice every night, and you're traveling, you know, across the country if you want to be in a competitive league. And I think my parents were very intentional about fighting against that. I think that push, that pull that sports and music from a young age really have. And I think it's a catch 22 because I can just see my own like tendencies as a parent with Leon. If he got into sports or if we got him into music, wanting him to be the best and to be able to compete at the highest level. And all of a sudden it all becomes about chasing Leon around as an individual to various tournaments or to various music competitions and recitals. And we did a, we did a little bit of that as a family, but that was the point. It was, it was, it was as a family. And so we started in classical music, but that wasn't very conducive to our big family because that was all very, at least this isn't always how it is with classical music, but we were all segregated into different categories. And so I still remember the one year we did orchestra and I was in my one orchestra, Annie was in an orchestra. We were four different orchestras that we were in, and they all practiced on different nights of the week. And then all of the recitals or the concerts were different nights of the, or were all on different nights. I didn't know you guys all were in orchestra. Yeah, we only did it for one year. Oh, crazy. Yeah, and it was just really hard for my parents to not only logistically to get us from practice to practice, but they felt like it was really separating us relationally. And so that's when we started doing more fiddle and folk music because at least with, you know, in the scene that we were in, it was a lot easier for us to be together. We could go to fiddle competitions together and there'd be one competition and we'd all compete in our own division, but we'd all be there together and we would drive there together and we'd, you know, support each other while the other person competed and then we would talk about it on the way home. And it was a really shared experience. Yeah. You go to Elisha's family and you bring up Weezer. A big fiddle competition where they were for like a week competing and camping out and everybody's had, you know, they all competed throughout that week and they will just go on for hours and hours (laughs) over that. And ultimately you guys started your family band. Yeah, because of that. I mean, you made an insane amount of memories. Yes. As a family band. Yes, just traveling around and performing as a family. I mean, some of our richest, just most fond memories you know, came from that and and creating that family band. 
Yeah, I know you mentioned too when we were talking earlier about basketball, and maybe you want to share kind of like your experience with basketball. Because it it was a good experience, and then it kind of had to get reined in there. It did, yeah. And I think that we've got pretty similar mindsets, Katie, you and I do, about organized sports. Mm -hmm. I'd say that we're pretty unified at this point in what we want. You know, anything can change, but what we would want our family culture to look like around organized sports. Um, Because I loved basketball as a kid, and I started in fifth grade. And again, it was really healthy. I I say the word healthy, and, and meaning that like the antithesis isn't necessarily or at least if there's healthy ways to do it, there's multiple healthy ways to do this, I think, but it started out really healthy in the sense that it was a family activity. We'd all come to my games and they'd all support me. We'd all talk about it afterwards. But then as more siblings started playing sports, it was really hard to maintain that. And I was telling Katie at one point, my older brother, Joby was playing college basketball. I was playing high school basketball. My sister, Annie was playing high school basketball. My sister, Lilia was playing junior high basketball, which she didn't play very long, but, it, but she was playing the season. She's, Lily is one of my best friends, and she was like, it's because no one came to my games. Yeah, they always exactly. were going to Elisha's and Annie's. <laughs> right, and then my and at the same time, my two younger brothers had started playing basketball. And, uh, and again, this is a big family problem, but it was six different people. Was that six, Joey? Me? Yeah, I think that's six different people, and we all had a game one set. This was like the climax. You know, We all had a game on one Saturday, and of course, parents couldn't come to everybody's game and they were in different towns. And so we were tr- trying to find people that, you know, Tucker and Dieter could ride with to their game and then nobody could go to Joby's game. And I, you know, it was just, it was all divided and it was you very, you guys can imagine it, it just was, sounds stressful trying to explain it. Yeah. It was very segregated. And I think my parents made a decision at that point to really look at the bigger picture. They saying, okay, do, is the goal to have our children be elite athletes? And that wasn't the goal. And for sports, they wanted a healthy, competitive outlet for us to learn different character lessons. That was always what my dad had to remind himself of, remind us children, is that he just wanted us to be a part of our overall character growth, being in a competitive competitive environment, learning to work with teammates, submitting to a coach. And, and that was starting to become bigger than that. It was really separating our family and becoming this divisive topic more than a uniting topic. Yeah, and when I think of how... I grew up, we just didn't do anything by ourselves. I was sitting here telling Elisha, I can say I never did an extracurricular activity by myself aside from debate. And I did debate when I was 13 years old. And it was, it was one time a week where I went to class, but I'm a little obsessive compulsive and I got really into studying and that's what I did on all my free time. And it really separated Kyla and I because she just couldn't relate. She had no idea why I'd rather quote the amendments than talk to her, you know? (laughs) And so that's like one thing that really stands out in my mind. It was fun. It was for three months um, and it was an awesome experience. But my family really pursued when it came to sports, sports that we could do together. So we got really into mountain biking Mm -hmm. and all of us got mountain bikes and we'd all go out on a Saturday, my dad and all of us kids and mountain bike. And it was awesome. I have so many good memories of mountain biking, um, or skiing. My family, if you guys follow the big ski family on YouTube or Instagram, you see, they still all ski and Elisha and I love to go ski with them. We made so many good memories with that. And then same thing with like, we could have all joined ultimate Frisbee teams or soccer teams, but instead we played once a week pickup games. 
and we played in certain co-ed leagues and we all played together. And I just think it was such a fun outlet. We were still able to play a sport. We were still able to have a blast doing that, but we just did it a different way. And I think sometimes we can think organized sports, the only way to be competitive or develop those awesome qualities that Elisha was talking about. But sometimes when you have the perspective of what is the big picture and in our case scenario with a big family, it was going to get way too hectic with everyone doing organized sports. So my family found a way to be more creative in still capturing the positives of sports. Oh, and I think positive is like the one word that if I could choose one word to describe your family and sports, it's positive. It's so fun and positive. (laughs) And that's something that I've really been inspired by in seeing your family closer up, you know, since being married is the way that you guys all participate in whatever the sport is. And I think that was something that my family did up until the point that we all got into playing organized sports on our individualized teams. And that's something that I kind of missed. And I, and I kind of almost regret that, that part of my life where once I started playing on an organized team, I thought, well, I'm not going to play with the younger kids. I'm not going to play with my younger siblings or their friends. That's dumb. I play with kids my age that are at my level and I'm too intimidated to play with the older kids, obviously. And so I'm just going to play in my little zone here where you guys just, you include everyone and whether it's soccer or ultimate Frisbee or volleyball even. Well, I was going to say, cause we've talked about this. I think volleyball is probably the one sport where we, we did play organized high school volleyball, three of us girls or five of us ended up playing girls volleyball. And we've talked about how that's the sport we're most persnickety about. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah, how... and, it can, and it can at times take the fun out of it Yeah, because we get the most concerned about like, well, oh, I don't want to play with people who stink at volleyball. Right. I don't want to play with my little siblings because they mess up, you know, the perfect set yeah. or whatever. And it's kind of funny because that's the only sport we played organized. Yeah. And so, you know, whether or not we were, we pursue organized sports for our kiddos, I really want to keep that lighthearted mindset in them where they can have fun and a pickup game of basketball with kids that are 10 years younger than them, you mm-hmm. know, or kids or adults that are much older than them. Cause that's something, and, and it carries over, like you said, into skiing and into, into everything because you just want to do it together. And mm-hmm. the whole point is being together and having a shared experience. And so you don't. I guess, begrudge the person that you're slowing down for. You just embrace that. Yeah. And I think too, it was the reason why we were able to do volleyball is because we did it together. Yes. So we could only be, it was a big deal. My, my dad's pretty footloose and fancy free. So it was a big deal for him to stick around for three months and commit to someone else's schedule. Yeah. Full season. Full season. Um, he's an entrepreneur, so he didn't have to worry about his work schedule. We were homeschooled. So the only thing keeping us tied to a strict schedule would be volleyball. Um, but it worked out because multiple of us girls at one time, three of us girls all played on the same team. And so it, and kept it as streamlined as possible, I guess. But again, we have really great memories of bus rides and playing together. But on a different level of extracurricular activities, I guess, we took sewing lessons together. We were camp counselors together. We never went to a summer camp by ourselves. If it was age segregated by grade, my parents were just like, we aren't going to do it. And obviously that's a, what each parent has to make a decision. Mm-hmm. 
I'm like having a really hard time saying this. Each parent has to make a decision for their own kids, but that's just what my parents chose to do. And as a result, I don't have any memories by myself. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting thing for me to think of just off the top of my head, because kind of going back to individualism and feeling like, you know, who you are as a person, um, I know that that's, that's valued and I, and I think I do value it to an extent, like I said, when it comes to your individual faith, knowing your beliefs, knowing what you stand for. And I know that a lot of times if it, if it's never been challenged, a lot of times it's, and you're just going with the flow, maybe you don't know what you believe. And so maybe there could be this fear of, well, if you're always with your family or you're always with your siblings, then your faith's never really been tested because you were able to just go with the flow. And I think there is some truth in that. And I think that, you know, my faith was tested at different times when I was out on my own, you know, on a basketball team traveling, you know, we, I remember doing a few different overnight tournaments and my faith and my convictions were definitely challenged and maybe it was good. Maybe it wasn't, you know what I mean? I don't look back at those times with fondness, you know, they were kind of like oppressive times in my life, I think. And, and so it's interesting for me, and I'm just thinking spontaneously here, you know, this wasn't that premeditated. I just thought of that when you're talking about not having really any individual memories, Mm -hmm. you know, as an individual. And I think that there does come a point as an adult where you do have to have that confidence in who you are in the Lord, but it's got to be grounded and rooted in your faith, you know, not, not even in your experiences, but in your faith. Wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah. And I mean, when I say I don't have any experiences by myself, I mean, I'd be in the back of the bus and Kyle would be in the front of the bus or, you know what I'm saying? We'd hang out with different people at the camp. Mm -hmm. Like it was so helpful to have that accountability. And I think sometimes I, I think my faith was always tested in a healthy way Mm -hmm. because it was comforting to know there was someone else around. Yeah. You know, that's right. Yeah. And And, so it was some, there was someone there to tell me like, Hey Katie, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, and even going back to God's word, I don't ever see it a time in the Bible where Jesus says, go out by yourself away from any fellow believers or away from any accountability and go live your life. You, we're always called to be with the brethren and to not forsake the assembling of the brethren and to be in close community with fellow believers. And so, yeah, so I guess I could see that from, from both perspectives. Yeah. For I sure. just, I don't know. I think there was a gradual weaning of, or a gradual entering into the world and being, in the world, but not of it. And I think siblings can help facilitate that for sure. But you do have to, I feel like that's a whole other topic, but my parents just made very clear that we had to ground ourselves. Like we weren't Christians cause we were born in a Christian family. We mm-hmm. weren't grounded, you know, cause we had a sibling there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think another thing too, that I think is super important for, well, for me, when I think of those relationships was mealtime conversation, Hmm. especially at dinner time. And again, this was a hard and fast rule my parents had that I want to keep for our family. And that was until high school volleyball, but we didn't do anything, any activity that was going to be during the hours of dinner. Hmm. And that was just the deciding factor of whether we could do the activity or not. And when I think of it, there's no activity in my mind, that's more important for Leon and Lucy to do than to cultivate family relationships. If that's, if, if I have to pick or choose, you know, the, the dance class or the sport. And so as a result, like we could do gymnastics. We couldn't do certain other, certain gymnastics classes though, cause they 
you know, like the more advanced ones were during dinner time. So we got pulled out of gymnastics at that point. Um, or swim team, we were able to do swim team, which was a total blast, but I couldn't do the dive team, even though I was into gymnastics, I really wanted to learn how to dive. Obviously it was like heartbreaking for a week at 14 years old, but that ran over dinner. And I just think that's so important because we were able to just talk about our day. We were able to, it was just that carefree timelessness Hmm. that really builds relationships. And I'm so grateful my parents protected that time. And I can't even think of so many of the activities that I tried to fight them for. Yes. Because they seem like such a big deal when you're a kid. Oh, isn't that interesting? Same with me. When I think back, right now, I look back just with such rose-colored glasses at my childhood and my experiences with my siblings and just the, the memory bank of activities that we have spent with each other or done with each other. Uh, but if I take a little bit more time to think about it, I resisted so often what my parents wanted us to do together. Me you know? too. It's like, I don't want to play with my sister. You know, I don't want her to be on my team, on my wiffle ball team or on, you know, on my, on my soccer team. I want to, I don't want to be on a girl's team and I would have a bad attitude about it, but I'm so grateful that my parents just had that steadfastness and confidence really. Yeah. I think there's so many different like perspectives we're coming at this year because one is when we were kids how we felt like mm-hmm. we told there were totally moments where I resented the decision my parents made and I'm like a ball about it and yeah. like totally throw a fit about it and then I have the p- perspective of being an adult who is so blessed by my childhood mm-hmm. and I'm like whatever they did they did a great job because I love my life mm-hmm. and I love looking back at my life and then there's like that perspective of being the parent yes. and knowing like Leon and Lucy are going to be begging me to do stuff and I want to make them happy yep You know, and just like, I just want to keep that big picture perspective of, okay, what's the most important in their lives Mm long-term? Is it that they get really good at this one thing? Yeah. Even if they have, you know, tendency towards it and they're gifted, you know, what are more creative ways to shape that gifting Mm -hmm. so that they ultimately can be friends and develop relationship? Yeah. It's funny because I feel the same way. Like the more we have this conversation, I'm grateful to my parents, but I'm also kind of overwhelmed <laughs> like, oh, yeah, totally. looking to the future because it's really fun to look in retrospect and be like, oh, that was cool when our parents did that. Or, it's I good really... when they made those hard decisions for us. For us. You're <laughs> right. And then I'm thinking about applying it to my, my life as a parent and, you know, and parenting my children. I'm like, dang it, this is going to be hard because I want so badly my children to know who they are in the Lord as an individual and how do you find those times for their faith to be, like you said, tested in a healthy way where they're in the world, but not of it, uh, but at the same time, encourage close relationship with their sibling and be a huge, you know, advocate of family experiences together. Yeah, this is going to be a, this is going to be a journey, Katie. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why ultimately God has our kids' hearts and I want to seek him as a parent because he's the one who gives wisdom He's the one who is going to help decide in those situations. And I think it's so easy to get overwhelmed when we rely on our own logic for any kind of decision making, especially a decision that comes with shaping a child's life. That's such a high calling. And I think it's something that the Lord did so that we would stay reliant on him. Yes. If it was easy and we just knew the right decisions to make and everything was black and white then we wouldn't need to have that reliance. Yes, that's right. On his wisdom. That's right. 
Yep, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. And I think that's so helpful to have that promise with with anything in life, but especially some of these topics that are kind of intimidating. Yeah, for sure. And like, I guess I just want to leave you guys with, we aren't saying, I hope you aren't hearing us say, this is the right way to give your kids sibling relationships. Elisha and I just want to reflect as parents on why do we feel like we have good relationships with our siblings? Why do we feel like we have good memories? Why do we feel like individuals and like we weren't stunted in those areas? Why are our faiths our own? And we really took them as our own and our own value systems. And for some reason we aren't on crutches because we had siblings all the time when it comes to our faith, you know, like we just want to, I guess, try to look back, try to reverse engineer for our own family. Cause we're so young. That's right. We are. Our kids are so young yep. and, and yeah, we're just on this journey. And so we just, yeah. And I feel like we can learn from our parents and we can learn from so many people that are beyond us in years and that have gone through the family, family life. But then we have to find what the Lord's leading our family to do. You yes. know, we, in the counsel of many, there's safety, but doesn't say that you have to do what your counsel says you know like you have to go seek counsel you have to seek wisdom and then we have to make our own decision and and, and that's before the lord you know and, and mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm excited that we've got the lord on our side for for our parenting future and i know that he'll direct us as parents mm-hmm. and ultimately i just want him to have our children's hearts um and from that hopefully a vibrant relationships will come you know and, and i do want to give that context. I want to create an environment that is pro sibling relationship. You know, I want Mm -hmm. them to be allies, you know, in their faith and I want them to not be adversaries in different areas of life. And I know that we can create so much of that just by intentionality. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I'm like, if like the one word that comes to mind is intentional, Mm -hmm. it's just not going to happen. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I just, maybe one in, you know, every few families. Yeah. There's the a personality that you click and yeah. they're friends and it just works. Right. But I just see more often siblings that aren't close. Yeah. And so I just feel like it takes intentionality mm-hmm. of some kind on the parents part because kids don't always know what's best for them. Oh yes, exactly. <laughs> At least I did it. <laughs> that's why there's parents and that's why parents have the Lord to look to. Yes. All right. Well, I think we can wrap this thing up. Yeah, absolutely. If you guys, again, Elisha asked this at the beginning, but if you're new or you've enjoyed listening to these podcasts and you haven't left a rating or a review, we would love if you would do so, if you'd click on the stars, or if you would take the time to write out your words. Either way, it just really means so much to us. And we appreciate all the support we get from you guys on a weekly basis. So thank you so much. Yes. Thank you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you.